Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I'm coming to you live. <laughs> I love that voice. <laughs> Thanks, my man. From my good friend Navin's living room in Berlin, Germany. Uh, this is our third conversation, actually, uh, but we've uh, we've been hanging out and and going deep in the last few days. I'm I'm uh, I'm grateful one for our friendship, and two also. It, there's no, it's not often that I find someone with whom uh, I feel a deep rapport in asking some of the, the questions, uh, the big questions mm-hmm. that I think I think many people think about, um, but but it's not often that we have I think uh, folks with whom we can bounce off those those true quandaries. In such a way that it provides clear clarification in the path forward, mm-hmm. and I feel like um, you, you're one of those uh, those confidants and 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 deep deep friends. So uh, it's a pleasure to have you here, my friend. Thanks, my actually that's exactly uh, uh, it resonates with me so perfectly because yesterday when I was speaking with Andrea, my friend, and you met her, right? Uh, well, you were away, and I was, uh, you know, I was mentioning uh, to her how, you know, we were having this conversation. It was, you know, it was at such a depth that, you know, it can't be related. And then she was saying, "Wow, it's interesting. I mean, you've only like met Michael on fewer occasions. It's not like you spend much time with him. You know, it was like seven days there and a few times over Skype and stuff like this." I said, "I, uh, I agree, and and I know why you're making that statement. You're making the statement based on the assumption that." that kind of meeting, mm. that depth of meeting takes time. Yeah. Um, and I said, Mike was one of the, and I also was a firm believer of that assumption. Mm. Um, or I followed that assumption as, as a fact. But then I said, after meeting, there were a few people in my travels that I met. Mike was one of them. There were a couple of others I said that challenged that assumption, that blew apart that assumption. That I said, no, it's not necessarily so. And so we got into this dialogue and then I said, you know, it's interesting. I, now I want to ask myself, why is that, right? That there are some meetings that we could even say is timeless. Yes. Right? That, that, that time is not a parameter that governs that. Yes. Right? Yes. And so, so I was speculating and I would love to speculate with you on this. Since, since you brought it up, I think it's a beautiful door for us. So one of my speculations that came up as I was uh, contemplating this was I was saying that Actually, I say, why, why is it that I could meet Mike in that? And in my life, I'm, maybe it's my poverty. It's, there are some people who can have those deep meetings with everyone they meet. But why is it that I could have it with him? So I said, okay, it, a superficial reason would be, yeah, you know, we're kind of, we're wallies, we're, we're kind of similar. We have this outlook. We, you know, we, we, we also kind of live like, you know, to, to the moment our home is where the heart is, you know, we're not so yeah. loyal. But I said, no, I want to look at this a little more deeper. And one thing came up, you know, I said, I said that somehow in with Mike, whatever the excuse of the deep topic that we are into, I think that's just an excuse. But somehow I am meeting, I have a deeper um, experience of meeting me, my fact, mm. through uh, Mike's presence. Yes. So it's almost like you, you become a condition uh, for the alchemy of me being able to meet me better. Mm. 
You know what I mean? Yes. And, and is that the depth that I am experiencing? Which, of course, my mind wants to say, oh, you know, I get along well with Mike. It's because it's Mike. That's why I'm, I feel this depth or this richness of our conversation and meeting. But could it be possibly that you are in a, you know, like an alchemy condition, a condition for the alchemy that I somehow can drop some self-deceptive filter I hold for myself and be naked to that and actually face a fact that the real joy is then, oh my God, I met something of me here. Yes. I met something more of me. Yes. And, and I'm grateful for the presence of Mike to have woken that up for me, you know, not as a cause effect, but as a condition for that to emerge, so to say. It's so true, huh? Mm. Uh, first of all, thank you for that beautiful yeah. reflection. And also, I was, I was having a so, sort of a, an analogous, although internal, reckoning, if you will, mm. this morning, right? Mm. Because, uh, you know, I'm staying at your home. I woke up. Generally, I'm extraordinarily sensitive, mm. especially if I'm in someone else's space. I don't want to impose. Mm. I want to be very, you know, <laughs> I always want to be a contribution. Same never, yeah. no, I don't want to overstay my, you know, all the things. And yet, uh, this morning, you're on a business call. Uh, you know, I'm staying in your uh, bed and you're staying on your sofa because you work in here, which normally I would feel extraordinarily uncomfortable around. Uh, but what was interesting was I was in my, I woke up, you were on a business call and I was in my, I wasn't, I was in my rested nature. Mm. In other words, I wasn't obsessing, which I likely would in most contexts mm. where if I were staying at someone's home about being in a position. Mm. I felt, uh, rested and I think it goes to your point of sometimes somehow you know you find people and I think that was the nature of our like even our first meeting it's like for example when I was a kid I, I always led with humor and then actually I became a bit of like the class clown mm -hmm. and I realized uh, there's a deeper story behind that I won't go into but I realized actually that wasn't gonna serve me I had kind of a reckoning I was like okay and it was I was compensating for an insecurity around I was in, and when I was a kid tracked in remedial classes because I had a learning disability. Okay. So I used humor mm. to sort of bypass that identity. Yeah. Yeah. And at some point I decided no, it's like I'm, a coping mechanism. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. At some point I decided okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna double down because mm. I knew I was intelligent even though I wasn't. Society didn't tell me that. I'm gonna double down and not identify first with humor. Mm. But humor is my core. Mm. But what I find is it's interesting because it's only when I'm very comfortable with someone mm. or mm. when it's that unique resonance, mm. you know, like mm. a good song that hits where it just comes out naturally. Yeah. And you and I, from the moment we met, yeah. we were laughing. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you know, I think like it's like, all right. Some people just, you have that, like you said, the alchemy or the chemistry yeah. such that it's like, wow. Yeah. And I realized last night as we were talking, and part of the reason I slept in because we were up till 3.30 in the morning, is you and I can have a conversation about things that I feel there's not that many people with whom I would have the resonance and rapport mm. and also the trust to share certain aspects at the depth at which mm. we shared, you know? Yeah. Um, because I think also there's a there's an affinity for uh, for lack of making this into something bigger than it is, but mm -hmm. two people who I think are, if I may say so, committed to, of, but not but not so much that you lose sense of yourself, yeah. you know, but yeah. committed to a sense of the more. Like what is what is that? 
what is that aspect of my what is that aspect of my true essential nature in being here you know like yeah. what what is the and committed to a, a deep inquiry in that regard yeah and, yeah and and but also a humility of not being like oh i've fucking figured it out yeah, you know exactly, like exactly, I, exactly, i'm yeah. deep in the, i don't fucking know yeah. but i'm also 100 uh, percent committed to going as yeah. far as i can as, in, the, exactly. in the question yeah yeah no and, and that is such that is so true because you've just added another insight into that so that resonance is also that here's a person uh, that i don't have to in some way for me at least that I don't have to then go into my default mode of, uh, of an, an assignment that I, I need to find a solution or this needs to be resolved or I need to be able to grasp this, mm. whether for me or to, to explain it in a way that the other grasps it, mm. that it can be extremely open-ended. And I, so I asked myself, not just for the subject, that it can be open, that we could just end that. Con- yesterday we ended the conversation with no resolution. We just ended with questions, right? Yeah. But there was a bliss to that. And I was saying, how does that relate to me in the sense that I've met me? So now that you just said it, the insight just uh, just emerged about, wow, I was actually meeting the part of me that can hold myself in saying that, I know what, I don't know me yet. But it's this mystery. And I'm, so, and I'm so comfortable with that. Otherwise, I would be anxious about it. Oh, shit, I'm lost. I'm this. I'll judge it, right? Yeah. I says, no, it's like, wow, this is another question that I can hold myself to. And, and uh, this meeting, because getting to know me is just not getting to know that which can be known. You know, It's also getting in touch with that which cannot be known about me, something that's mysterious. Mm. That's also me meeting me, right? The yeah. part of me that is still... We w- I would like to say the potentiality of it, but it's a part of it that is just mysterious. Yes. And it's so funny because uh, traditionally also when we, when we refer to um, enlightened beings or when we refer to, in, in some sense, people who have embodied or have a taste of nature, we, it's interesting we use the word, we call them mystics. And the word mystics, you know, somehow holds that. Yeah. It's like a mystery. Yeah. That this is, you're coming into a sphere of a person that in their space, uh, that in their presence, it is not about grasping, it is not about an expectation, it is not about an outcome, but you can actually dive into this ocean of mystery, you know, you can, you can enjoy that space, you know. Yes. And I, so, so what I wanted to actually uh, get with you is, is, the, is this an essential, since you use the word essential, right? is this an essential principle or essential part of what it means to meet in a relationship, to meet another? You know, I think it's a beautiful question, right? Yeah. Because one of the aspects that just came to me as a trigger based on what you just shared was because one of the aspects, and this will be the context I'll, I'll, I'll share it because this is a relationship I think many people exalt. But is this notion of someone who has an, uh, a wisdom, if you will, or a knowledge which you are seeking to embody in yourself, right? So traditionally, you know, in the Indian context, we've spoke about that might be a guru, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last night, we're talking about, I have a huge reverence for the indigenous, Mm -hmm. and that may be an embodied elder, Mm -hmm. you know. And one of the things that occurred to me as we're talking is, I think in a good relationship, whether it be a peer, 
or perhaps uh, a student to an elder or a, a master, if you will. One of the things that I've realized is is, is the distinction that I'm ha- questioning into, but mm-hmm. finding a lot of richness in mm-hmm. the question, mm-hmm. is I think especially in our culture, that being when I say our culture, the Western notion is we is is wisdom or knowledge is 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 something that is um, very cerebral it's uh mm-hmm. it's a very uh you know it's it's this it's you know sort of the phd approach mm-hmm. to to <laughs> to to knowledge mm-hmm. and therefore it's something that is imparted perhaps slowly mm-hmm. uh through a rigorous process and what i realized is and 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 then of course with the commercialization that happens a lot of times in our in our society then it's like which we've joked about you know you know for 10.99 you know you can i'll give you my nine my patented nine step process yeah. and 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 so w- one of the things that i realized as it relates to relationships but also to that embodied wisdom that i think all of us have the potentiality to embody mm-hmm. but uh, at times, I think those who are uh, truly wise, uh, you can feel in their presence, is exactly that distinction, right? And we talked about this a little bit, but you know, someone was asking me the other day, you know, what it was like to to meet the Dalai Lama, and I mm-hmm. and I said, you know, you know, because you listen to the words, mm-hmm. and for me, it's like the talk itself was not, uh, and I don't mean this in a disparaging sense. It's not. It was. It was insightful, but it wasn't like, oh, you know, like this is like I've never heard anything before. And in fact, I would argue that the words were very simple intentionally. Mm. But what I, what distinction I noticed is in his exactly which your your you you evoked in his relating, in his relationship, mm. in his presence. Mm. What I noticed is. With the moment I met him and the moment he left, I cried. Mm. An authentic tear, not, not not some. It was literally because what I noticed is that when he moved through the space, he connected with everyone mm. as if they were equal. Mm. Mm. And to think about someone who has had so much energy, attention, in some way, challenges placed upon to be in that level of presence, and not only with people, interestingly enough. Literally, there's a moment where he paused and just took a moment with a with a palm, you know, with a with a leaf, yeah. you know, kind of marveled at this leaf <laughs> with like childlike wonder, yeah, yeah. you know. And I thought about also in the the Native American in this, say a sweat. There's this beautiful man named Jerry, this Dine elder, and what I noticed is in his way of being, he, you know, he, he you could tell he was listening beyond the words you know mm. listening to the listening of where mm. people were coming from and sharing in such a way a simple story that people could find the the answers to the questions they were asking deep within themselves mm. on their own in that story yeah. so as opposed to a prescribed this is the way mm-hmm. it was an invitation for you to find yourself mm. in relationship to that presence mm. And so what came up as you were talking, and I think is one of the, the, the pieces that I've really been um, in exploration around, mm. in question around, is that notion of presence mm. and how relationship, I think, in many ways is a factor 
and a function of those presences coming into dance, if you will, with each other. Mm. And when those presences are, if you will, activated or both allowed to be in their rested nature, mm. where they feel, in a sense, a safety or mm. or evoked in a way where it's mm. like they're maybe they're more active, but there's a there's a there's a dance that's welcomed, mm. you know. To me, I feel like that is the basis for most of the amazing relationships that I continue to explore, whether it be whether it be, you know, sporadically over time. You know, we don't talk on a daily basis, but when we do, yeah. we really we I, there's a safety for me in in your presence no, where I feel yeah. comfortable to be fully expressed, to be myself, and also an evocation in your presence around some of the questions that the mystery within me yeah. seeks to ask of itself. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. and I think different relationships have obviously evoke different ask different things. And I think, but even in a romantic context, right? I think oftentimes it's like, what is it that that person is mirroring that is an aspect of you wanting to come into reconciliation with an aspect of yourself, or to mm. be in that dance, mm. Mm. such that you're entering the mystery of your own expression. Mm in a way that you never even knew it could be expressed, yeah. you know? And that's, 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 that's such an interesting um, point because, it, it, you know, what, what's showing up with me, right, as, as, as you're describing that, is that, like, there seems to be, like, almost like a, like a governing, like a governing law. You know, like, gravity is like a governing law. It's invisible to us, but in some sense, it's there in our awareness when we stand, when we walk, when we run and all that, right? Yeah. So we know how to balance ourselves and all this. That, that yes, there's the you and there's the me and there's this mystery in here. But you mentioned something very interesting, right? That somehow, that when you talked about safety, that there is also a space that, that is holding us. There's a space that somehow is being held in this meeting, yeah. right? Now, the quality of that space possibly is a nice direction for us actually to look. What is that quality of that space that one is allows me to then uh, say it's okay to not know in the presence with Michael. It's okay that I don't have any answers. Yeah. Uh, it's okay for me to say, uh, you know what, there is a mystery here and it's okay for me to meet that, right? Because like what you said, I feel safe, right? But is that safety an effect Michael is giving me or somehow in meeting with Michael, uh, there is this this space, you know, like when <clears throat> natives talk about a sacred space, there is a space that somehow uh, supports that. Yes, I think that's a hundred percent the yeah. case. Yeah. No, it's that because we all know it when we feel it. Yeah, right. Some people you connect with, and interestingly enough, it can be the same person mm. on two different days, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. One day, maybe you enter in and somehow you hit rapport, you know? Mm. Mm. I, for example, I met a woman uh, just before leaving LA. Murphy's Law it was the first woman I was excited about in about four years. <laughs> uh, and we had met, and literally in the course of one conversation, first conversation with her ever, mm. we hit so many moments of rapport, right? It was, we talked about everything from 
traveling through Beirut, Lebanon, mm. to Lum Al Nadi's pizza, which is the pizza my father was eating when I was when I was born because wow. he was forced to leave the hotel room. Yeah, yeah. So few people would know this particular <laughs> pizza in Chicago, no? But that we covered this ground in one yeah. conversation. But to find these common points, yeah, no? Yeah, Sometimes yeah. it's just like that flow, no? Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like it's like okay. Very easily another day or another moment, mm. you know, I could have met this person and we never would have found those common mm. points. Mm. But somehow some people in their way of being, mm. you know, in that, in that presence, mm. evoke that, uh, that, uh, that space, that, that, space, that right. possibility. It's That's like right. I'm a stand mm. for you mm. in, the, in the collective sandbox mm. of us to play together yeah. in, a, in a way where you can feel evoked to possibility. Yeah. Maybe we are making a sandcastle. Maybe we're digging a hole. Mm. But whatever it is, I'm available for it, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I don't think everyone, and we know it, right, when we feel it, right? Some people you meet, and of course they have some barriers, they have some resistance, maybe some protection, you know? Everyone's got traumas they're working through. But you, you find those rapports, and then yeah. all of a sudden those barriers go. Yeah. Other people, I feel like you just, they're just not your kind of party, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. They're, not, they're not there for, uh, there's no sandbox they want to build. Yeah. And I think one of the core pieces is being uh, in the listening mm. around what is available mm. in the space between, mm. right? Mm. If, if between you and me is the liminal, mm. right? It's that space between. What is wanting to be born mm. in the space between us? And am I, am I allowing that, right? And I am, am I allowing that? Am I, am I coming in yeah. with an orientation, a presence, yeah. right? Like my sense of the Dalai Lama, this is my projection, mm. but this is my sense was... Mm. He was available in the moment for what wanted to be allowed mm. between whatever and whomever he came into contact with, wow. such that you could see in his smile mm. uh, the opportunity for you to mm. be mm. expressed. Wow. But I don't know, and I've had that experience with some some other you know wonderful uh, you know people, but I but I don't know that everyone is a stand for that ability, and even ourselves right like there's many days where i'm not feeling like you know my best self quote unquote or whatever i'm definitely not a stand for that you know mm -hmm. i'd love to yeah, think yeah. i am but i'm not yes, you know yes, yes. <laughs> but how do we one how do we enter into that place but also you know i think there is something to your point and i'd love your perspective on it but i think there's also something to a natural alchemy a mm -hmm. natural chemistry where mm -hmm. some people also just have uh for whatever reason, those ingredients just go together. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, you know, yeah. like taco. A taco is yeah. freaking amazing. You know, like I don't know who invented the taco, yeah. but sometimes those tastes just go together. Yeah. You know, guacamole and you know corn tortilla, yeah. and you know that just goes together. Yeah, and I think yeah. sometimes people are like that. You know, yeah, the, yeah. the combination is just like a delicious taco. You know, whereas some maybe not so much. But I do think that the opportunity for it to happen starts within who we're be our beingness That's who right. we're being who yeah who are we are being or or <clears throat> the word that comes to me is how i'm holding myself yes right so so like like as as you're describing this the, a question popped up you know the question comes up now is this space right is this space also me how i'm holding myself actually helps set that space yeah 
or is this space separate from me and you so it's like a third separate entity or is it that as i am there's there's what's going on here and what's going on here has a space that it that it shares so i've come into meeting with you i'm not just this body is not just meeting here but it's also the space that this body allows mm. and then the space that your body allows and that space forms what we say you know like the the common space yeah and now now why i'm uh, i'm i'm thinking about looking at it as a space because I, uh, you you just related with some people somehow there's like it becomes a explosion of something more in that meeting i could never have come to all of this just being on my own reflecting on my own or thinking about these questions but in this meeting with another somehow or other something more came about right like yeah. two people uh, a woman and a man decides to uh, to come together and connect physically they can now there's a there's a grounds for a baby a third person to emerge right yeah but in the same level uh, on a more subtle level the meeting right so if i'm saying now if i'm holding myself right now i'm holding myself acknowledging um that i'm not just all that i've come to know about me that i like tacos or i don't like this or you know <laughs> uh, i like sleeping in a bed rather than on a floor <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> all these known elements right uh that i'm also sort of holding myself to know where there is this huge part of me or there is this a part, uh, uh, me is also the part that i i don't know i don't know about it yes i don't i've not yet come to know and does that now affect the space that i evoke around me so when i come to meet another and does that have an influence on what transpires in this meeting or the depth of the of that meeting so i give an example like i notice in a business context <clears throat> uh if let's say i'm 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 engaging in a role as a consultant let's say and i have a client one of the expectations will be that i'll have to hold myself as the one who will have the answers or at least uh the advice to be able to solve whatever issues that my client is having yeah right so i'm already sort of setting myself up uh to not necessarily hold myself in a way that uh there's so many things i don't know i don't know that you know i it's a mystery to me or what not right and when i come in there i'm already i'm coming in there with a space you know which the client might then uh be shall i say affected by or be influenced by yeah in a way that would the client may have come in there to explore but if the client is uh, not aware could now the client be actually having to come there and almost having to feel as though yeah actually i don't know i need this guy's advice yes you know what i mean it's uh it's a, it's almost like although i'm i'm unconsciously creating this space because i feel i have to play my role right am i now actually setting a soil uh, that is going to in some sense influence my client to almost dumb themselves down right and this is a question i have to ask right because i'm saying why is that not happening some people with some conversation like the one the conversations we had this last couple of uh, days right is that as i was exploring that question about what is it about mike that we are reach, we can we can connect on this deep level and then this morning when i was on a business call as in a, you know in a different space and so now as you're talking about it i'm thinking uh wait a minute am i really you know how am i really conscious now that 
maybe it's not just me it's also this space that i am putting forth in being me yes and this space because a space is only a space when there is two yeah right it's a like a bridge is only a bridge if there's two lands yes it is in relationship with something yes right it's in a relationship either with this walls around me or with the person in front of me or the persons around me i i'm just i'm just putting it forth i'm i'm really exploring this this is fascinating well i think it's so my sense is that it is it's it's like there's something pregnant mm. in the space that wants to emerge if you will as a bridge mm. between the nodes of our self-perceived individual consciousness mm. I'll use a, a context where take music, you no? Know? Somehow somehow when we hear good music there's a recognition of the truth of it, you know? It's like it's a it's an inherent bridge, it's an inherent acknowledgement of that pregnant space between us. No, it's like and in a way, it's one of the beautiful things that can cause us to enter into that restedness, no? Because we transcend that egoic needing to be an authority or enough or, yeah. or appreciate or all those things that we go into in, in whatever way when we're trying to connect with someone mm -hmm. with a, our egoic intention as opposed to the, those, those seamlessly flowing moments where we're just in rapport and it's mm -hmm. natural and it's flowing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like music, it's like, it's like it's like the it's it's in many ways the embodiment I think of that potential bridge that exists between us, right? Mm -hmm. It's like it's like you may you may be uh, you know uh, Paul McCartney to my uh, to my Lennon, you know, in the context of your music and my music together may wind up being something truly beautiful, you know. Now, not everyone uh, not everyone's resonance mm -hmm. is like that. I think. Mm -hmm unfortunately and that's where it's interesting right and i and i've seen this to use the keep to keep with the music analogy i see this for example in um in ceremony in some of the the indigenous ceremonies i've been very fortunate to sit in because when you're in the if you will the consciousness of of a of of a you know of this particular ceremonial context where perhaps there's an entheogenic uh you know, uh, a, a plant medicine teacher, if you will, that is that is that is fostering in a well-held space, uh, fostering a collective consciousness. In other words, that space where you're consciously entering into that space that exists, mm -hmm. not just between us, but when we are in the particular alchemy of our togetherness. Mm -hmm. And then when you bring that into a social context beyond the bridge of two mm -hmm. into, say, a bridge of 10 or 20, yeah. Yeah. then... It's interesting because the music is the the sailboat that t brings us on our collective journey, right? Because we're in that we we're in that collective journey. But you can tell very clearly the difference mm. when a singer sings a song that is about the collective navigation, that is about everyone furthering the the collective journey and their individual journeys within that collective mm -hmm. and that song is sent with with saying with that intention mm -hmm. you can feel the intention mm -hmm. 
versus, which I think is very common, unfortunately, someone who has a beautiful voice but is singing their song to be seen and heard for the beauty that they are, <laughs> yeah. for their egoic hunger to yearn to be seen for the beauty of my song, yeah. you know? Yeah. Which we see, I think, all, a lot, to use that analogy, yeah. in our culture, right? Yeah. Yes, it's a beautiful song, yeah. but it's about the eunice. In other words, the journey I was on on that sailboat is now distracted because I'm transfixed by you. this <laughs> particular signal, yeah. which isn't about the moreness that can yeah. exist between us, but is about you wanting to feel the energy of everyone's That's energy it. on you. And I'm your... using your space yes. to actually enhance my space. Exactly. Right? And my space is very much self-directed uh, into making me the only thing that exists here. Exactly. Which is actually an impossibility, right? Because right. for me to exist, you have to exist. Yes. Wow, this is, this is beautiful. So I can see, that means if I, if I look back and see where... Um, if I have to look at my life and look at moments where I see why didn't that richness that I have when I'm in meeting with Mike, why isn't that a daily occurrence, right? And in, in like just into if I reflect on the business call today, I can see is that that space I was holding for myself was still very much rooted in making me be seen as this person who has the answers or in some way will lead you to the right solution. Was it a space that was acknowledging that another is there with their own space too? Well, this is the question. Yeah, and yeah. this is where it becomes tricky because also then one, when we enter into, I think, the transactional space, right? Which is the context, right? Yeah. If someone's hiring you yeah. and this is where it becomes interesting, I think, in many ways where there's that now there's a transactional elements and there is oftentimes implicit or explicit an expectation mm -hmm. of return yeah right yeah, yeah. so now we're moving into transactional relating right yeah, it's, it's a good, like it's a good distinction to make it's yeah, a very exactly. good distinction right because yeah. and not to say that transactional relating is inherently bad mm. um it's in many ways how our society functions well, uh, in yeah. a in a material sense but what's interesting is even in our transactional relating, right? Like I think people can mm. resonate with this. Somehow there's like the Prieto principle, right? Mm -hmm. um, Tim Ferriss wrote about this in his book, The 4-Hour Workweek, where he had a, an epiphany where he was like, you know what? I realized I get 80% of my value from 20% of my clients, mm. you know? Mm. And the bottom 20 cost me the most time and energy, you know? Like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Now all of those were in some ways transactional, mm. But there's a listening, I think, inherent in that, which is to acknowledge, okay, hang on. Some of these transactions are costing me more than they're actually, and I don't mean just financially, but yeah. in terms of time, energy, yeah. resource, yeah. more than, than they're actually worth. Yeah. So he talks about actually firing or releasing, letting go of those relationships, if you will, where the like that we're talking about, that space mm -hmm. between, mm -hmm. even in the context of a mm -hmm. transaction, doesn't evoke the moreness, I think, at wow. least my interpretation, wow. um, within each party, yeah. right? Yeah. It's somehow evoking, and we've all gotten, I think, into those contexts, right, where it's like, sh shit just doesn't go right. Like somehow, some relation, in the worst context, right? Like, 
I don't know, at least for me, there are some relationships where it's like, it starts going south and then it's like, I couldn't believe how many uh, compound, like it just went, uh, yeah. it turned into a, forgive me, a shit show, you know? Yeah. Um, now that's an extreme example, but I think sometimes there's, there's also an acknowledgement of, and this is not necessarily what you brought up, but what came up for me, is sometimes also we need to, I think, recognize um, in the context of relationship that certain things are a black hole energetically, mm -hmm. right? Like, like I, I love this distinction of a battery and black hole mm. because some people, like for you in my life, you're a battery, mm. right? You're someone I feel charged when I leave your presence. Mm. And I think a lot of times we talk about givers and takers, mm. but even a, a giver can be a black hole energetically <laughs> because they can use their giving just like that person who sings that beautiful That's song it. but sucks you in like a siren song they can use it as a way for manipulation yes where they you still feel wow somehow i feel drained still yeah, it's you know about them. it's yeah. about them the giving is a tool to make it about them exactly but 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 you you there's such a uh, brilliant insight as you share about the tim ferris and stuff it's actually orientating oneself right yeah and I can see this for myself. One of the biggest uh, uh, facts I had to face about me to say that, no, this has to transform. It cannot remain as this, is to see, to perceive that black hole or what I call is the cost, mm. right? Not just the consequence of losing something, yeah. but actually the real cost is the consequence of that there was nothing more that came out of this. Yes. The consequence of the richness I lost out of it. Yes. The possibility of some richness, that was it. And this was a beautiful insight my teacher once highlighted. He said that perhaps you're looking at this from the point of still seeing, I don't want to lose something. So that's what I perceive as the cost, that I, lo I lost something out or you know, I, I, I lost my time or whatnot. But have you held yourself in a way that he sees, what's the consequence of the richness that could have come out of it? And I was like, wow, that was, it just slapped me across my face. I was like, geez, yeah. Because we always think, oh, I got to do this because I don't want to fall back. Yeah. Uh, I got to do this because I don't want to lose out. I don't want to miss out the whole FOMO thing. FOMO, you know? yeah. And the whole orientation is based on somehow not losing, right? But it's not losing because I feel like, you know, I'm lacking something. I need to make sure I keep up. But it's not the orientation of I'm losing what more can come out of this. Yes. So if I'm holding myself like that with a client, agreed, the transactional bit. I'm saying, uh, uh, what do you call it? It's important. The trans uh, the, a client expects a certain outcome that I'm playing a part in that. So now the question is, can I hold myself in a way that transactional space is held, but at the same time, the space has the room for something richer to emerge to from that yes and that's what i'll want to keep an eye on that yes. i don't lose out on that it may happen it may not happen right yes it may uh that's what i would like so if i look at a, a personal relationship even personal relationships can be reduced to just transactional i've seen that i've i've have, I have friends i just go to oh yeah you know they make me happy and that's that yeah you know, they make me laugh and so that's that. That's that's not necessarily richness. What about that person? That person could be like what you were saying about you. They are co uh, co It's a coping mechanism for them to be the clown in the group. Yes. But oh, am I holding myself and coming in there with the space? That in meeting them with that space, right? Something more than just what we have been coping or used to. Something more than that can emerge.
yes. in this meeting. But what is the drawback to that, right? Uh, there's a demand right now for me to then be alert, for me to actually acknowledge there is another there who is evoking a space of their own too, to acknowledge I'm here too, that I'm also at all times evoking a space. <laughs> and then to be alert now in this meeting right now, right? What is, a, what is this space going to allow? Something more than what, uh, what I was limited to before I came into the presence of this person. Yeah. Because we, at the end of the day, we are limited to us, right? Through the other, I'm going to discover something more of me. Yes. Not that they all will give me something more, but through the other, there's a possibility now that that blindness of me to me alone can be, you know, uh, can be breached. 100%. I, th I think about like Maria Abramovich, you know, mm -hmm. that artist where mm -hmm. she sit, just sits down, no yeah, words. I saw that video, yeah. Yeah, and, and then people come and they literally just sit across the table from her. Mm -hmm. But to me, that's a stand for that exact, that space between a stand for the moreness that is possible. Mm -hmm simply in the presence of uh of the of the relating without the noise of relating yeah. you know and acknowledging there is actually another person there that has nothing to do with me you know yes yeah <laughs> truly acknowledging yeah. i think another thing that's uh, that occurred to me as you were sharing is thinking about great music or a great book mm -hmm. because in a way that's actually a stand to relationship with the moreness as an expression of a person you may or may not have ever been in relationship mm. to, you know? Mm. I feel deeply moved, for example, by Nelson Mandela. Now, that's a, a person yeah. I've never been in direct relationship to mm -hmm. in terms of um, physical, physical connection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. However, the moreness of Nelson Mandela not only transformed a nation, but also transformed my own relationship, for example, with my father mm -hmm. in terms of our trip to South Africa mm -hmm. and the book I gave him for Christmas, which he mm -hmm. highlighted as he had dementia and was holding on to that mm -hmm. in a way as a reflection of our of our connection or the memories we created as he lost his sort of sight, lost sight of the shore and mm -hmm. him regifting me that book, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. uh, Long Walk to Freedom, the next Christmas, you know, mm -hmm. and there's some someone who represents obviously so much for the collective but also the the moreness that they were a stand for you can mm. find a home in you mm. know and i feel like that to me is 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 the beauty also of expression you know well, but it's also you're taking it uh you're expanding on it that you're saying that this meeting is not just based on a, a biological physical presence having to be there in that meeting that it's actually the space that whoever that figure is, yeah. is representing or in some way has a, is giving out, right? Or yeah. is, is holding. Yeah. So you mentioned about Nelson Madena, you haven't met him too. And, and you are in my room right now and you can see these pictures of some of these masters, some of them ancient who lived way before our time. Yeah. Uh, so I for sure, at least not that I recall, I have ever met them. Yes. <laughs> not even known them, not even know what they ate for breakfast. But what am I, what am, what is this picture representing? and? And, or is it a condition I'm placing there for me to meet something about me in that pre in this meeting? Yes. In, in just the looking at that picture, right? Yes. So you you've just you 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 I think just what you shared here just opened that up for me. I was like, oh my god, there is an alchemy here too. That the picture is not just like, oh yeah, he's my this. I know this person. But that every time I'm going to look, I'm actually going to look. I'm actually going to look at me in this looking. Yes. 
right? That it, it can serve a trigger. But I can see the error, and for me, definitely this error is there, that the mind likes to reduce it to something known. I say, oh yes, he's a master, and so I'm putting the photo there because I would like the presence of a master. I'm, I'm grasping it, right? Yeah. And so, so I'm now asking myself right now, is me holding myself right? Is also holding this part of me that is not wanting to grasp something. Mm. Is that what the nature of the more is? Because the more otherwise may be thinking, I need something more. I already have a grasp of an idea what this more is going to be, right? Yeah. Is that a nature of that more? This is a beautiful question mm. because I think there's certain things I also hold, if you will, sacred mm. that I wonder if in my holding of it sacred, I've somehow limited in a way an experience of the fullness of it because I've almost codified it into a particular, granted an exalted perspective. I think about this actually, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you or anyone else, but I think about this in my time in Sri Lanka. You know, one of the things which you'll you'll understand given your, your, your you know, deep, deep experience um, with with the Indian culture. But one of the things I did, for example, one of the things I loved about the relating in Sri Lanka was there was no word for privacy, there was no word mm -hmm. for possession. Mm -hmm. And, you know, where I grew up in Chicago, obviously in, mm -hmm. in the United States of America, very individual centered. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I was in Sri Lanka, for example, the the host family I live with, there's no doors, you know, on mm -hmm. the, in the house. Mm -hmm. Every morning before, uh, when when the my nangis, my little sisters woke up, they went to their grandparents and they paid their respects mm. by touching their feet and and uh, and bowing and offering prayer. And every night before bed, they touched their grandparents' feet mm. and offered prayer. But it was interesting, and and I love that actually. I hold, I held that as sacred. I held that as a reminder of the the power both of our ancestors, of the power of the collective, of the power of community, of the truth beyond what I think is in many ways the fallacy of individuality, mm. which we see now, for example, with Corona, where one person's breath can affect <laughs> everyone on the entire planet, you know? Um, and what I, but to, to bring this home, I noticed also with my, so when I was 19, I took a, a, a teacher who I have profound respect for, and I did the same thing as one does in relationship to the guru, I bowed before him, right? And so I, when I was leaving his presence, I would actually, he, not he asked me to, I just wound up, would go down, I would actually get on my knees and I would uh, touch his feet and I would offer my respects. And while I think there's a beauty in that, in some ways I lost the moreness, my sight of the moreness, because in some ways I also... Abdic I, I, I realized I abdicated my power, right? Mm -hmm. Because there were certain, and, and to a degree discernment, because in a way I was exalting this person um, who was still, by the way, uh, human and was still, uh, as we all are, had certain things that weren't necessarily entirely enlightened. Mm -hmm. And in abdicating my power, in some ways, I compromised my, I want to say my discernment or my relationship to the moreness mm. beyond because I had codified it in a very particular sense where I was like, no, this is, I have to bow to this. Mm. And almost in doing that, mm. it was like I had, I, I let go of 
I, I put myself in a particular finite way, in a, in a particular yeah. codified box, yeah. even though that wasn't the initial intention, yeah. that kept me from truly seeing, being, and experiencing mm. the actual totality mm. of what is possible. Mm. Mm. And, and so I think it's, it, 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 I, I don't know why necessarily that was evoked, but it was an interesting context because for me, it's like I think there is something when we're in relationship, and especially if we are, and, and you and I have talked about this, for example, if we identify as in part committed to a path, mm. and, and that path being in relationship to the more that exists beyond us, mm. the sacred, mm. the more that exists within us in terms of our, our path on this planet, how does one come into... For example, right relationship. Not right as in right and wrong, but right as in, you know, the rightness mm. that you and I have, mm. you've talked about in your teaching and, and we, you and I have talked about. The rightness to uh, that which is beyond us mm. without, in a way, closing the door because of what we're exalting. Yeah. You know, it's it's one thing when you know something's not right for you, mm. but actually, there's also I think I don't want to say a danger, but and this is what I'm taking from what you're sharing, and correct me if or 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 take it where you want to go, but also there's there's a something to the things that we hold the most dear, mm. in in so far as there's aspects in which if we don't, uh, if we're not careful, we can lose sight of our. Of the totality of 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 what it offers, because we've narrowed our the scope of our focus. That's it. Yeah. So that the, and and this is very much in line with, like I said, one of the errors I discovered for myself is this this instinct to just want to grasp and says, "I got this. Yeah. Right? I understand this, and so it's it's within my control." Yes. Might be the very thing that actually kills that mystery, right? Yeah. And. And the question that I kind of hold for myself, I, I make it, it's a, it's a question I kind of want to live as a living struggle is that, right? Is this where that more resides? Yeah. But now if I say, yes, this is where that more resides, right? I must also hold myself in a way now, this is something beyond me then, because I can't grasp it. Which means, could it mean that this has to happen as me which means there's no room for me to have an identity about it. You understand? It, yeah. It's it's almost paradoxical, right? Yeah. It's a part that, yes, the, the, I'm holding myself in a way that this more can emerge, can happen when you talk about it. Or even from what I've read, and I don't know this as an expert, but even um, I remember when I, when I was in this uh, naming ceremony, the native naming ceremony in, in, in BC, British Columbia, um, uh, and how the, the the chief who was holding the space was saying this is a sacred space and they did a lot of rituals and stuff I was like wow it's so fascinating right they call, he's, he's, he's putting in all these rituals to create that space that we are going to now be a part of right yeah and and nothing of that sp everything that was being done the beauty about rituals or rite was that you you almost have to body into the right. You have to do the right. You have to take the feather. You do all of this thing. It's not for the mind, you know. It's not for one to sort of uh, oh uh, I'm thinking about this. No, I'm as I'm doing that. 
am I actually bringing myself to hold myself? There's something more can exist here too. Yes. That can wake up as me. Because I was being initiated into a name. And that name represents something beyond of what I have come to know about me, or at least I assume about me. And without that space being set, right? If that name was just say, given to me, or oh, this is your name right now, right? There would have been that danger of me now taking that name and fitting it into my known assumptions about me. Oh yeah, you know, an eagle relates to me. Yeah, yeah, I like to fly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But now it was almost like I had to let the name adopt me, right? I had to hold myself into it and then see what it wakes up as me. But for me to be able to do that, I have to be in such a deep bowing, a state of bowing or, or surrender, isn't it? Yeah. Now, traditionally, this is what I've read in the, in the Eastern tradition, when there was an enlightened master or someone who, who decided to, you know, or, or, or in some way the, the meeting was meant like, okay, that this master would then in disciplehood with this master. And whenever they bowed, they said, to the feet of the master, that bowing was a representation, this is, this is the knowledge at least, was a representation of bowing to the ground this master stands on. Mm. I, I'm just now, for the purpose of us, just exploring this, right? I'm no expert to this. That ground, is that the representation of what that space allows to happen? Yeah. That I was actually bowing to that ground, that that which has happened and is embodied as this master now, that because I bowed to that ground, that space that can hold this embodiment happening, I'm actually bowing to me now, being held by that same space. So that wakes up at me too. Yes. Right. That is not of a, a, an act of where that's a submission. Yes, a submission, but in this context, the submission of me actually saying this known or assumption of me that's identity that is based on what I know and what I can grasp, I'm submitting it gracefully and voluntarily because I understand that's the biggest impediment. Yes. To anything more to to crack through, you know? Yep. And interestingly, we were talking about the crack, right? Into yeah. The, <laughs> the known, yeah. You know, I think what resonates about what you're sharing is a couple things. One, I think that that bowing can also be uh, if you keep it in right relation, which I did not, so I did not hold. Uh, so again, okay. I was I was nineteen years old, but I did not bow with the context of understanding, such that it was. Of course, I did bow in the context of a reverence for the for the, for something greater, but I started to have that personified as an abdication to to an actual to, more to to the man than the principle if you will and what i think is to sort of to bring it a little bit even in a, in a more holistic view to what you just shared what i think is powerful about that in its initial instance if you can hold right relationship is you are bowing in a way to uh, uh, a a concept that you are open to receiving from a wisdom or the moreness that is greater than you. Hmm. And I think to bring it to the, the ceremony that you shared about in, in Vancouver, one of the things that I think is so powerful and so beautiful about many of these uh, rituals that you see in these indigenous cultures, and also, by the way, uh, in Sri Lanka and India with the pujas, etc., 
is they are, I feel like, deeply oriented towards orchestrating a space for the moreness to be realized within. Uh, within the collective. Or at least the possibility of it, right? Yeah. Yes. They are about... I'm in the zone. Uh, yeah, they, they, <laughs> they are consecrating the space. Yeah. They are making sacred the space such that you leave the mundane and enter into the sacred. And in the sacred, I think, exists the opportunity for that space between to breathe and to create something that is the more, right? Yeah. And I feel like what I saw in Sri Lanka, for example, and with, with this beautiful teacher, this Guru Nase, was he was the manifestation of many things that in the West we would consider to be a master artist, right? He was a master drummer, he was a master dancer, he was an astrologer, he was a Kapu Mahatya, basically a temple priest, but not because of the egoic identity that I'm a master drummer, but no, because those 17 elements were integral to hold the consecration of the space such that when someone fell out of balance, right, they could be brought back into balance because there was an acknowledgement of the interdependence of all. Mm. And so what he would do was ritually recreate from sunset to sunrise their shared cosmological worldview through creating these beautiful palm fraud cities and orchestrating a dance and putting the person who was in dis-ease or imbalance in the middle of that circle and the entire collective dancing throughout the night around that person, making offerings, mm. consecrating that space such that the person who was imbalanced came back into balance with the wholeness. Mm. But not but not it but 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 not in a way that was uh you know, in a way uh I think I'm gonna fix you. No, but in the space of that consecrated space between, right? That liminal space, that sacred space, where together we are creating the moreness that exists between us and beyond us, such you can dance and come into right relationship, recognition of uh, of the beauty that exists in our in our in our true nature, that nature beyond the egoic self. You know. Okay, so if I give like just a, I don't want to. Uh water it down but I just give like a practical analogy right yeah so like we all know about compasses and all compasses point through north mm. right I mean a, a properly cal uh, a, a compass is designed to point through north now if each of us inherently is a compass that is pointing through north right yeah um, um, we could always there could be some as we go along with life right and I'm speaking from my own experience there could be little pieces of magnets that are going on stuck onto this uh, compass that yes. would have now changed its orientation. That true north is this side, but it's not, right? And when I do come into, let's say now, I come into a space. I come into a space that diffuses any form of magnetic influence, external magnetic influence, some, by, by some sort of a, like a neutralization of it, right? Naturally, now me just being open, you know, just resting into this space, being in this space, or just ha holding myself in this space, I start waking up to, oh no, this is me. This true not is me. 
and it's very interesting because this is something I was uh, I, I was hearing from my, my my teacher, and it's also uh, something that was you know in the scriptures of the in the East and all they used to say. One of the highest techniques they say the highest techniques for one to awaken to truth is to is to sit in the presence of truth. Mm. So a lot of the enlightened masters were looked at as the embodiment of a truth living, right? Yeah. So there was this practice. I think you would have heard about it called satsang. Which is sitting in the presence of truth, right? Sat sat means truth, and sangha means in the commune of truth. And they say just that sitting, whatever words is spoken, all of that is an excuse probably to to be in that space of the presence. That truth starts naturally waking up in that in you, in yeah. that person, and that's the ultimate technique. There's nothing to do. There's nothing to grasp. There's nothing to it. It's essentially who I am yeah that I'm just it's almost like a process of remembrance yeah but it's not I'm remembering the remembrance is is waking up as me it's like I, oh I woke up from this dream I'm not a butterfly like the fern unfurling I think mm. about it like uh, for me at least that satsang is it, when I go into nature you know and I think even think about like Siddhartha no mm. like in in Buddhism, right? There's the triple gem, right? The Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And the Buddha, at least uh, traditionally, the the most sacred are the objects of use and objects of the body. Mm. You know, so object of use, for example, is the Bodhi tree. Mm. You know, because Buddha attained enlightenment after ten days, right? Medit, you know, in in deep meditation under the Bodhi tree. But to me, the Bodhi tree is also a representation of that presence that exists in nature, right? So to your point of the magnets and the compass, I think about it like that in the context of cities. No, we're in the middle of Berlin right now, you know? And we have right here 5G antennas here <laughs> and uh, we heard the sirens of the ambulances going by and, yeah. you know, we walk out on the streets and it's exhilarating, but there's a lot of noise <laughs> and noise that interferes with the signal of our of our true nature, right? Now, that can be very exciting. I'm not making that a negative. But I think to that point, right, sometimes we need to retool our compass, right? Because we're, the compass has been surrounded by all these magnetic forces that are throwing off our Goal, orientation. Goals that have been placed onto us <laughs> yeah, and all of this. Yeah. All of those things. Mm -hmm. So for me, at least, like for me, when I go in the ocean, it's like a way of cutting some of those cords, you know? Or if I go into the forest, you know, it's like there's no teacher that's telling me how to do anything mm -hmm. no but profound teaching in just the beingness mm -hmm. of their being there no like the satsang that happens mm -hmm. in the forest right the the you know the the you know the japanese call it forest bathing you know the the just being in the presence of that which to me is the isness is the moreness right because nature is this divine intelligence uh and so and, 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 you know, what, or, you know, in the context of an enlightened master or, you know, for me, if it, the, the beauty of a native elder sitting in a sweat lodge, you know, where, where then you're in the context of something that's consecrated as the mourness, such that you can sweat out the impurities, the things that, that are those aspects of our, of our of our dukkha the suffering of everyday life and that's happening rather than i am sweating it out it's happening, it's happening. Right? yeah i'm not trying yeah. to sweat that's it i'm not yeah. it's 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 i'm happening. not grasping truth i'm allowing truth yeah and in fact i'm creating a context where 
I would say, for example, for me in the sweat lo- in, a, in a lodge, where I'm clearly I'm cleaning the vessel, you know, I'm I'm taking the pipe cleaner and I'm cleaning the the vessel such that I am more open to you know. You talk about the volley, which is a be- I'd love for you to talk about it, but right when you describe to me the archetype of the volley as the flute that God wants to play its music through. Now imagine I uh, I think about a flute if it were gunked up with uh, with the crud uh, you know of, uh, of of the world, <laughs> to be cleaned again and then to be played by someone who's who's a skillful player, then beautiful music is possible. Mm-hmm. You know I think in the lodge to me is a, an opportunity for the flute to be cleaned. Mm-hmm. You know it's and not because you're trying or or anything of that nature, mm-hmm. but because you're committed to. Uh, the cleaning to enable the openness for the more to come through. I think you're, you're, you're elucidating a really, uh, really key part here. There's a very interesting insight that's emerging. You know? It's now saying, it's not, it's not me trying to grasp a truth or rec- even recognizing, oh, this is a truth here that is, that is, uh, that, you know, in what you say, consecrates something more than what is possible in me doing or trying to grasp something, right? Yeah. Now, the distinction here is now, so what is that, that key for me to hold myself that that surrender can actually happen? Because that surrender seems to be the precondition for that purification, yeah. for that truth to grasp me rather than me grasping it, right? Yeah. Because that's the key for that waking up now. So, like you were saying also, yeah, I can see even with that bowing to your teacher, there wasn't a right relationship. So now we're looking at, okay, what's that key principle of me having to hold myself that right relationships happen, exist? Yes. That I'm in right, maybe the better way to put it is that I'm in right relationship. Yes. With anything, right? Because anything can be a representation of the more. Sure. I think that's beautiful. So in, in the context of right relationship, what do you think are the preconditions to a right relationship? Like what are what is what are the ways in which that, for lack of a better term, mindset or approach mm. enable that relationship to be in its rightness? Mm. So so here the, the question is and I, and I and and I'm going to refer to uh, these 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 principles that that my, my teacher, my master has, has put down, it's called the six rights, right? And these principles uh, or these rights, and I love the word rights because it's, uh, it comes from the word like almost like a ritual, like it's almost of how I hold myself. Yeah. So I'll bring, I, I'll use that and uh, this as an entry point, just as, okay, how do I have to hold myself? To hold myself that I'm holding myself in a space that not that which exists as me here is not just the effort to seek, grasp, or understand, or capture something in in some way that it makes sense to what is here right now because I'm holding myself to understand I may be my own limitation. This All these things I have adopted or all that I have known, let's say, or I claim to know, right? So I need to hold myself in a way that more of the not known of me is alive. 
is this what it means for me to say if I detect the truth or I'm in the presence of something that's oh my god there's so much more here right does this mean uh, part of me having to hold myself is to say I'm I can put myself aside and bow to this truth the truth can be anything you know it's like if I'm studying Vedic astrology it represents this huge mystery of knowledge It's a huge thing there's a science to it but I cannot grasp it at just one go, right? Yeah. But I'm, I'm saying, wow, this has got so much uh, in it right now. Can I bow to it, which uh, I like, we associate the word, let's say, can I become a disciple to it? It comes from the root world of a disciple of learning. That means that I've acknowledged there's so much beyond me here. So I'm bowing to the truth of that. For that, I have to probably, the first principle I can see, I have to hold myself to be is, that this that that I am um, what I've known is a sm- very very small part of me. Yeah. Right. I, and and it should it should not be my base identification of who I am. Yeah. Rather, more be the the identification that if at all it needs to be an identification, it's an identification for me to know. There's something more than just what is here. What I have come to see. If it becomes an identification that makes me feel like, uh, what do you call that? No, this is it. This is the major part of me. So everything that I come to that is unknown, I have to somehow relate it to this. So I I give an example. Let's say uh, if I identify myself as someone who, who, who loves exploring new knowledge and loves exploring new experiences. Now I come into a meeting with you, Mike. Uh, this is something I'm claiming to know about me, right? I'm claiming to know about me now. My conversation with you is going, if it's going to be orientated by this known, right? I'm not just going to ask you about, hey, how are you right now? Oh, Mike, tell me about uh, this place you went to because I've never been to that place. So can you tell me about that? I will limit this conversation and I'll limit you right. to only share that which feeds what I'm claimed to know about me, you know? Yeah. Which means, right, am I now killing a space for anything more to emerge that allows me to meet the part that, oh, I never knew that I knew this about me. Yeah. It could be something you just shared, something mundane that, that you know, you, or just something usual you did that wasn't extraordinary or it wasn't with the hot air balloons or anything like that, that could have, could have opened that up about me, you know. But this is how I'm saying that movement of me wanting to grab it and, and reduce it to my only my known or my assumption of knowing me is how I, I would have held myself in a relationship and could it be the very element that actually kills any possibility of a relationship. So I'm saying that if I'm killing a possibility of actually meeting another, am I actually killing that possibility of the more of me to be discovered? It's like the singer we were talking about earlier that's singing yeah. a song, yeah, uh, denying the possibility of the moreness because they're attached to the. So she already assumed she was the more, right? Right, so. and, and, the, and it's attached to the, <coughs> excuse me, the beauty of their own song, that favorite song they like to sing, such that they don't enable or allow for the space for a new song to emerge, yeah, or even for a deep listening to emerge, mm. yeah, because it's more about loving the sound of their own voice Mm. but in the loving of the sound of their own voice it denies the resonance 
and the space between for other voices to emerge, which could wind up being an epiphany, mm-hmm. uh, a furthering, uh, a collective song yeah. that exalts the whole. You and know? all of it was serving an assumed knowing of who she was. Yeah. And somehow that knowing involved that, uh, that, that knowing included that already who I am is something more. Yes. So now I'm using the others or being in meeting with the others <laughs> as a means to validate that. Right. Right. So I can, and I've caught myself doing this sometimes. Okay. If I'm in a class, am I now using the participants as a means to validate, oh, I already know everything. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh shit, I'm, I'm missing a chance to actually truly meet me. Yeah. Or what more is there as me? One, I'm meeting the chance of seeing what more is there in another two. Yeah. Because I've just reduced them to the ones who don't know. <laughs> right. Right. And then by that, am I now not acknowledging there's a space for anything more than just this knowing? Right. It's like an underlying principle here, you know. There's this. It seems to be emerging. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the denial, in essence, of possibility, and, and unf- how I'm holding myself in relationship with that, right? Yes. Am I in allowing that, or am I somehow trying to, uh, what do you call that? Control it, trying to manipulate it. Yeah. I think most of the time we are. Mm. Most of the time we are absolutely, mm. myself included. Uh, denying the possibility of the more in expression through relationship because we have an agenda or an orientation around what something should look like or is going to look like mm. such that it denies the possibility of what can emerge. Oh, and it, it, it now immediately now segues into the bigger question, right? So is the orientation that many... Many of us, or many, much of humanity uh, seems to be oriented in, we want to experience, we are seeking for something more, we are seeking the truth. Is it truly an orientation to actually saying, I have to bow this self out? Or really an orientation of seeking something that makes me feel more of me? Right. <laughs> As the known, right? This is the spiritual narcissism. Yeah. <laughs> this is the spiritual bypassing or wearing spirituality such that it, uh, it it's just a, a more subtle but still... Self-reinforcement. Correct. It, rather than truth reinforcement, right? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> correct. So yeah. it's two orientations now. It's yeah. becoming evident, right? Yeah, and I think that that's... Uh, it's prolific. I mean, it's everywhere, no? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's actually just simply a... Uh, it's wearing the clothes rather than embodying the truth. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, fake it till you make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And could this be a cause? And this is really a question we can we can actually hold and go into. Could this be a cause of how many many of these truths, right, that have existed for timeless, you know, history or been 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 uh, consecrated and embodied by many mystics and masters who have walked our earth. Um, could now this now be used and manipulated in a way to actually reinforce the more of oneself rather than the more of one's truth? Yeah. It becomes ammunition, you know? Yeah. And so if I bring it back now to me now, okay, so uh, the question for me I have to hold myself right now is it's not about pursuing an ideal, 
Is it more about me exactly being with the fact of how I am right now and being the fact of what I have come to know? Next, being, being with the fact of what I've come to assume I know. And then next, being with the fact of what I actually don't have a clue yet as, as a starting condition. Yeah. And can I be rested in that, in that attention? Yeah. You know, with, without saying, okay, I'll start with here then, but this will now open up this and again going there, right? Because I find myself doing that again. No, I said, no. If, I, if, I, if somebody told me I had to live, my whole life was just going to be paying attention. Nothing else is going to happen like that. Am I okay with that? Would I be okay? Would I be able to be rest with that fact? Most people would not. Yeah, and, and why would we, we not? The question of why we would not be rested with that could be a clue to why we know may not actually be seeking for truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because most, because in essence, you know, I think most people are not in desiring of surrendering control, hmm. right? Most people are oriented towards, uh, and that's in some ways biologically in many ways biologically reinforced mm -hmm. towards controlling and bringing assuaging anxiety in an insecure world mm -hmm. so to consciously step into a place of insecurity and embrace it mm -hmm. in perpetuity mm -hmm. without agenda or orientation of egoic manipulation towards a particular end mm -hmm. is a very very because uh, that's the space where at least in our discussion to some extent we're seeing that's the own it seems like that's the space where there is even a remote chance of the possibility of something more emerging. Yes, but I do think so. I, and this is something I want to explore because I, mm. uh, I'm, I'm in the in the question around it. But I do think that there are ways to 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 be in relationship with the more, and not necessarily. Uh, because I think many people who may be listening would think, oh, okay, well, do I have to just like renounce the world? You know, and you and I have talked, for example, about the, the monastic paradigm, which I, th I find very interesting, right? So in Sri Lanka, in the Buddhist paradigm, right, there's what we associate with the path of the monk, which is renouncing the world, right? The, 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 what they call the forest-dwelling monastic. And they renounce the world to go into the forest and... Uh, and you know, ostensibly meditate uh, towards this notion of, which we talked about last night, nirvana, right? But in Sri Lanka, there's something called Laukika and Lokotara. And, and, and Lokotara is this higher soteriological goal. Like in Christianity, that's heaven. In Buddhism, that would be nirvana. But nirvana is like thousands of lifetimes away. So it's not something you like, or, you know, you yes, you're, it's a true north to orient towards, but it's not like... So the laukika is the like, okay, well, how do I deal with the challenges of this world, of this life, of disease and death and, you know, the very like this worldly challenges. So the forest dwelling monastic will go off and perhaps meditate in front of the skeleton of their master to, <laughs> to, to, real, to, to reflect on the impermanence of this life. But the bodhisattva paradigm, which at least in my own understanding is the path where one forsakes their own cessation of suffering, mm. that realization, in pursuit of fostering the cessation of all other sentient beings, mm. uh, 
pursuing that in the dukkha, the suffering, the shit, the, the metote of everyday life in the village, which is the village dwelling monastic uh, path, mm. is has always been for me somewhat, it's more interesting because the village... Yeah. It's more real. It's more real. <laughs> it's the village we all live in, no? Like we all live in the village. And so to me, I think there's also an acknowledgement <laughs> of the moreness that's still possible in the imperfectness and in fact in the shit of day-to-day -day life and living you know and I think that that is still you know I, I think that that's still a beautiful struggle to, and beautiful relationship to honor because I feel like you know and if that's if that's literally you going into Central Park after a, a, a crappy day in New York City with your boss yelling at you and sitting in front of your computer etc and literally going and and tuning back into the songs of the birds, you know, mm -hmm. and and the 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 grass beneath your feet, taking your shoes off, you know, and like even those subtle orientations towards a connection to the moreness mm -hmm. of our, you know, and and that moreness may be just the immediate moreness of the environment beyond you. Mm -hmm. To me, there's a there's a there's a beauty in that. Yeah. There's a virtue yeah. in that, right? Because. Yeah. It's also not this high exalted like uh, again to use that notion of this lokota this this huge which I think a lot of times spiritual seekers get lost in right like this this intellectual pursuit of this uh, cessation of the ego and and perfect realization but instead the surrendering even of that expectation and yeah. just being in the fucking listening yeah you know. Uh, and and the beauty of that, you know, yeah. I, I think there's something really uh, beautiful about that um, imperfectly perfect moment. Yeah. There's a there's a celebration of that. Yeah. And the thing is, even the even the notion, and you know, I'm sure you agree. Even the notion of perfect and imperfect is just an opinion I have. Totally. About whatever is right. Right. So like, and when we talked about one of the earlier when we were discussing about the principle, one of the principle was. Uh, is that is that that I in some sense there seems to be a demand that I, the self cannot grasp this I have to be almost I have to submit the self and allow correct yeah and there's beauty about the word allowing I've always looked at what does it mean for me to hold myself in allowing one of the things that comes up is that oh that could be a clue to what it means to be in my natural state yeah that I'm in allowance, right? It's not paralysis, you know? It's allowance. That means I acknowledge there's some things that's for me to do and there's some things that need to happen. Yeah. Another way to see there's some things that is within me and there's some things that's beyond me. And now, if we take that, you gave the analogy of the Bodhisattva. Again, I'm, I'm not at all a scholar of Buddhism, so I'm not going to comment on that since I don't know. But just that analogy of now, if I have been born and I'm living here in Berlin right now, somehow it's not just a product of my conscious choice. Oh, I wanted a job. I wanted this. Uh, this is a better place to it. Yes, there was an agency involved. Yeah. But I can't attribute everything to that agency. There were also a lot of things that had to happen in my life that allowed for me to actually be here right now at this moment and this time. Yes. Right? Or to be born to this family with these attributes and these characteristics and these beliefs. Now, if I'm going to use again the principle of simply being holding myself to allow, right? 
Now within this, could this be the starting condition <laughs> or the initial condition or the condition for that space that I need to now hold myself to wake up to be in meeting with? So if you want to look at the term perfect and imperfect, right? there is no such thing as imperfect. Everything, every situation, and I know this is very debatable, but is a perfect situation for whatever that more or the unknown that I have to meet about me. That it's like the perfect ingredients for this soup to, to brew, right? Yeah. Uh, so whether I'm in New York, I'm in a, I find myself in, in the middle of Manhattan living there with all the, every element, I can call it noise or whatever, but every element, or I've been born into a, a hut in a family living in deep in the forest. Can essentially, if we just go along this hypothesis, right, be the perfect conditions for me as this unique entity here to wake up to what I have to wake up to. Yeah. So if you are on, a, on the road right now, this could be the condition right now for whatever you, if you want to say whatever the next step that naturally has to wake up, provided I'm not putting those magnets on the compass. Yeah. Right? That, that it could be, it, this condition could be exactly what I need to purify myself of this need to grasp and put magnets on me and think like I have a direction. Totally. So for me, I'm, I'm, I'm discovering that about me for me now. Yeah, that's why I say it's almost like I'm in a phase of purification of those of all these magnets out there, right? But again, this is my assumption. But I'm holding myself to say, no, it's not about me now having to plan to go to Himalayas before this can happen. Exactly where I am with the facts that I'm exactly facing and with the fact that there is so much more I am completely clueless about. Just being in attention with this right now. Am I rested with this? Am I living this, this, uh, you want to say this, this condition rightly? Yeah. Is that what it means to hold myself rightly? Or is this what it means to be in right relationship with what is happening? Yes. I, and it's a question, right? It's yeah. a question. Yeah. And I think I, I resonate with it. No, I mean, like I, in very practical terms, am living in the question now no i'm i i don't i know where i'm going tomorrow to turkey but i don't know where i'm going after that you know like this obviously that's a physical thing but it is that it's in a way it's that part of the taking the magnets away of the expectations of thinking where exactly i my life is supposed to be mm -hmm. just as you mentioned with berlin so many conditions had to come around yes you had your agency orientation to be here but also there was a there was also a providence, if you will, that, that steps up once you commit and have an orientation around what the rightness of your, your, your the, the light that wants to move through you. Mm. You know, like I mentioned Tim Ferriss earlier, one of the books I love is uh, by Elizabeth Gilbert, Big Magic. Mm. And, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert, for those listening, wrote Eat, Pray, Love, which was such a huge book. You no, know? like it was so big. You can you could never expect to sell more books with your next book. And most of us get we get immobilized by that because if you have a success, you know, like a great freshman album, for example, for a musician, they'll never create a great a sophomore album because they're they're always in the shadow of the what they've already done. And what I loved about Elizabeth Gilbert, and it was huge medicine for me because when I did Global Citizen, I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll probably never create something that great, that big, that 
successful, quote unquote, again. And then there's an immobility to it because you get lost. You're not in the listening. You're not in the process of of the question around the moreness because you're still attached, right? And and for me and many others, in the suffering of attachment to that which is no longer or is, but you're no longer a part of or whatever that looks like, such that the shadow of it becomes uh, overwhelming. It masks the potentiality of light. And she says, and I love this because it's very aligned with your concept of the Vali, mm. that basically none of us really truly are holders of an idea. It's not our idea as egos. Yeah. Correct. We are, if we are lucky, simply a custodian. Yeah. In other words, those ideas are are seeking to move through someone who is in the listening to that idea. Mm. And if they have cleaned themselves and if they are holding themselves... And if they are willing to commit, then that idea will move through them mm-hmm. such that uh, it is born into the world. But the the work is simply continuing to be in the listening around yeah. that and continuing to birth that which is seeking to mm-hmm. move through us, mm-hmm. not holding on to something mm-hmm. with this egoic identity of this is mine, yeah. I have to hold this. Yeah. And I know that for me for, with Global Citizens because the more I tried to hold it, the more it became painful and mm-hmm. suffering. Whereas when I released it and allowed for the next thing, or you know, for me it was peak mind, but f- for the next thing to move through, then I was back in the in the right relationship mm-hmm. to to the moreness that wanted to move through me, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And now again, I'm stepping into like, what is? I don't know. It's the question now. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. well, let's see. I, I, you know, let me leave Los Angeles. Let me leave the familiar shores and go off into the open water, and see what the moreness is that wants to move through me from a place of listening and I don't know what that is yeah and and it's so interesting because when you say I don't know you actually uh, you actually what do you call that uh, thank you uh, indicating okay uh, like the earlier what you said I held myself in a way that I could I could be in attention I could pay attention to what was the fact and the fact includes not just what I know like truly known but also what I'm assuming and also that I don't know what I don't know. Yeah. And now that, okay, that phase, that music has played through it. I was, uh, 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 my integrity was in place. I was holding myself rightly that I could receive that and be a part of it, participate with that. And it has manifested in something. And now I'm, I'm now again in this uh, open space, right? And that open space, part, perhaps part of that holding is actually to now find out or um, to sort of discover, okay, what's my question that I'm living now? Yeah. It's like a living question, you know? Like one of the questions uh, for me to living, is this really, this that I'm calling myself as Navin, right? This that I'm saying is mine and is, is who I am and all these things, right? <clears throat> is this really mine? Or is this, as what we say, the magnets that have stuck on, that have formed an identity over and and profited from that identity. That's why I kept the identity, right? Yeah. Yeah. And by profiting from this and thinking I'm getting something and, 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 and you know, I'm feeling more, I'm, I'm achieving something and I'm moving forward in my path and all that, am I actually losing out on the real richness that is there? Which is, it can only come when this realizes it is limited. This Navin, this identity realizes by the very nature of the identity wanting to strengthen itself, 
it's declaring it's limited by itself the paradox yeah it's the lack right i yeah. feel i'm like you so it's never there will never be enough yeah i think there's a million dollars i get a million no maybe more because i'm moving already from the orientation of the lack and that lack is there because i concluded something about me yeah so um it's interesting when we talk about the quest right and then we were talking yesterday about it how the word the quest actually comes from the root word of a question yeah or the word question comes from the root word of a quest right that how the question whole helps by having a living question with no intention of finding a solution to it a question that burns as me not just intellectually it's a question that moves me mm. so it's a question that is that I wake up from bed with and I go to sleep with through every expression of my normal life that I'm going through this question is living in there this question is living in there is this a way of so to say as I say you know is this uh, one clue to me actually holding myself in a way that I'm remaining alert that at any time as I said the sky opens up and the <laughs> lightning bolt comes in I'm the one it strikes, right? Yeah. <laughs> putting yourself on the field. Yeah, putting myself on the field, right? Because I can stay in an insulated building and there's no chance a lightning can ever strike me if that's what I want. If that's what needs to happen, right? That that could that be that that essentially we are and the thing about it is we can't live anybody else's question. No. Like if if Elizabeth Gilbert you're saying, right? She yeah. wrote that book, right? And I'm assuming here that book could have been a a way she lived her living question yeah. which would have been very unique to her which would have been very unique to the magnets that have been placed on her and and her being able to have a glimpse of her through not or whatever it could be right that i could read the book 10 times uh, i could read the book understand the message behind it and resonate with it but at the end of the day me understanding how the universe works does not mean i am now seeing myself as the universe It's just an intellectual. In fact, it can be a it can be an assumption of me knowing it now. Yeah. Uh, that am I in touch with what my question is? It's like, am I really in touch with? Uh, could that be a start to me actually saying how I have to hold myself? That in every relationship, I'm in relationship with my work, in my in my with you, with another person, with my with the chores that I do on a daily level, or with me going out and taking a walk in the park i'm constantly in relationship right what is in relationship is it this living question or is it a conclusion yeah because if i know i've seen for myself if i'm a conclusion of a idea or a thought about me everything that i'm in meeting with is a means to reinforce a, a support this yeah it's not a means to kill this right to dissolve this and that was uh, that is the living for me that's the living struggle the the uh, at least for now this is what's showing up for me the li- my my living meditation if i want to call it is to see am i in truly in relationship with everything that is happening in my life right now in a way that it serves submitting this self identity mm. this identity of now in you know, or being the one or the, the you know you uni- you know the one who is different or you know i i did it or something or is it in a way that it's reinforcing it yeah so it's almost like i'm at question i love that idea of a yeah. living question mm. 
Because I think so many people orient themselves towards the definitive purpose, which is always fluid and flowing anyway. But but the idea of a living question still has the determination of like you're committed to something, but it's an openness to receiving something beyond the self mm. as opposed to an orientation of your egoic uh, purpose mm. in this lifetime. Mm. Yes. And I think that that's a beautiful distinction. And the word question does already carry an underlying principle that I really, really don't have a fucking clue. (laughs) 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 So in some sense, even the purpose can't because I must have a clue to have a purpose, right? Yes. I mean, that's why I said really, actually a living question. (laughs) Yeah. And that goes to the qu- this notion of the quest, right? Yeah. I think this this beautiful quest all of us are on in this in this beautiful lifetime, um, and that notion of its 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 root in the idea of a question, right? Mm-hmm. Like I love the idea of explorers and mm-hmm. and and going off into oceans unknown, and and how exciting that is, right? Like I think a lot of times we get fearful around it because we're like, oh shit, I don't know, you know, like I don't know, I and and there's a there's a sometimes a terror to that yeah oh i don't know my purpose i don't know where but actually if you if you flip it and you actually embrace the living question and the blue water ahead and the ocean there's an incredible excitement to that because what lands are are there to to want to be seen and live with you or through you uh i mean it's 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 but but let me uh pause you here for a moment i want to take this out this is beautiful i feel it's so ripe right now it's like one of the things when you first came in uh, and I saw you after a while, right? And as you were talking about your story, and I know you've been on the road for some time. So one of my questions that sort of popped up in me is uh, it's like, I wonder this whole phase he's in right now, right? Mm. What's the question that is being lived, right? And, and usually like when I, if, if I'm sharing this and I'm asking, when I first heard this also from my teacher when he was talking about the living question, I asked myself, Oh, what's my living question? Oh, now I have to have a living question. No, you know, it's not like, again, going back into square one. But then I realized, you know, it's not just something, oh, this is my living question. It's actually I'm seeing as what is unfolding in my life, paying attention to it. I'm I'm slowly but surely discovering there is a question that is being lived here. Yeah. But the capacity for me to connect to that question or to have clarity on that is how well I'm actually holding my attention to me. Uh not busy escaping me yeah so i see how i can go why i'm like oh my god i don't have a clue about my question it's actually my confession to say you know what i've spent years not paying attention to me yeah truly paying attention to me i'm busy comparing this or looking at how to emulate another or trying to convince another to emulate me in their whole you know their whole not magnets right the magnet pieces that are in there so i want to bring it back to you right not as a as a definitive answer it may be you have come to it but based on your travel this phase of it right and it's been a very interesting phase i've been following you on instagram so so it's a very interesting phase from just paying attention to what's been revealed the meetings that you you have come into the relationships that you have engaged with right what living question do you sense it's cluing into Mm. I mean, we can even engage with it as a conversation. It doesn't yeah. have to be a definitive, right? We are exploring. Yeah, I, I don't think I have a definitive, but it yeah. is a question that I'm living into mm-hmm. and not one that I could even articulate in a succinct, beautiful wall, one nice. sentence answer. Nice. I don't have that. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, I, I shared, I, I, I share this, I've shared this with you before, you know, I think, and I've shared it with others. 
my life in Los Angeles was very good. Like, and I and I hesitate to use the quantitative analysis, but I will just for the sake of of, of imperfect clarity. Mm. Which is, I felt that my life was like an eight to an eight and a half on measure, which is good, right? It was a solid B B plus, <laughs> you know. And some days it was an A, you know. And some days it was a C or a D, you know. But like yeah. some day, you know, it was very good. Yeah. And I, but I think that in life, most of us will then settle. Because no one wants to give up a B plus for the chance of a D or an F. You know what I mean? You know, we're always thinking of how what we're going to lose. Right? Exactly, yeah, we're thinking yeah. more about yeah. what what we're going to lose than yeah. what what we're going to gain. And so, in a sense, the living question, you know, what I mean, and and let's keep it real. There were a couple other tangible factors that came up. Right, I discovered that I had mold in my apartment, which I could fix, and all that. But I, I had been kind of tacitly accepting because I knew there was something wrong. You know, I was tired when I would come home. I knew there was something wrong. And yet I stayed in relationship to it even though I knew it wasn't right. Mm. And I think for me the question I'm living into in part is what does it look like to roll the dice and leave behind something that is very good in favor of something that is possibly exponentially better and not better by society societal standards mm. but more aligned to my own rightness and expression when I'm willing to take a chance on the next that next exponential step you know mm. that notion of like you know I think in the context of relationship to bring it full circle right like most of us live in this notion that like we're looking for someone to complete us you know like that idea of like oh yes you complete i want yeah i want that uh, other half that be that best other half jerry Maguire. right right whereas it's actually like i think two whole and complete imperfect as they are individuals coming together in something where it's that exponential whole right one plus one is like three, three mm. right the moreness enters in you know and it's like something beyond even and so for me, the question I'm living into is what is my dance with the moreness such that my one plus one can equal three? Mm. What's, the, what's the exponential other? And maybe that's, by the way, actually just a deeper orientation of, of uh, orientation with self. Maybe it's a relationship to something or someone that I meet along the road, a new place or a new garden in which I feel I can flourish or where the listening, the rightness of, of being there, it feels nourishing, feels rich, you know, new soil, new, new fertile like what soil. Is, what is this more, this complete unknown more yes. that I'm going to live out a custodianship of? Yes. Wow. Yes. And I think that that is, that's the, and that's the deeper piece, you know, and I have notions of what I think it could in aspects look like, right? Like whether you know, in the book or a podcast, you know, there's other things I think it may look like, but there's also, I have no idea. So an openness to that which wants to come through, right? In that same way of like the Elizabeth Gilbert sense, just as at one point I left New York, I left Global Citizen, now I've left LA. I mean, I'm still doing in a way peak mind, but I'm open to sacrificing in a way all of it for a, a new altar, if you will, a new, a new, uh, aspect of life to be devoted to a new partnership a new you know being a householder we've talked about like I still hold that in my heart you know hopefully finding a person um, to to go on this journey of life with and potentially you know have a beautiful family with 
And so I hold, hold those as intentions without necessarily the expectation that it has to be fulfilled, but a question around what could life look like beyond the concept of what I think you know I've, I've grown conditioned to expect it to look like so far. Okay. And so for me, I think the question is about, uh, and, all, and, and also embracing both the excitement and discomfort that comes from not knowing. Right to that to that point we talked about earlier, right? right? So 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 I'll add an end-on question here. It's it's a uh, it's a question to challenge that, but it, it's a question that's it's interesting. It'll add a dimension maybe for you. You can go along that thread if I think. Okay, so the question would be right if I were to frame this question to you, as in, what is that that I'm looking to meet as me? Mm. The first word that came to mind was joy. I, I, I and I I don't necessarily I don't necessarily know exactly why that was the first word that came to mind, but as and, in for real, right? Yeah, for real joy. For it's, real. I, I don't joy I don't get as, the joy as me rather than me just experiencing joy. Yeah, the joy is me. Like this, mm. the vision I have in my head is actually me as a child. Mm like in a field of grass with a smile you know it's not and it's not this like uh so it's not like a that's my four-year-old memory yeah yeah it's not it's same me i remember mm, playing mm, soccer and looking up and everyone else was playing soccer and i was mm. just focused on the majesty of the sun and the grass before me you know mm. and i feel like it's uh yeah so it's it's somehow that that coming home to self return to innocence the yeah. return the return to that 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 Exactly that notion of self, that joy, that youthful, mm. that youthful. I hesitate to use it, but purity. Mm. That is uh, that is the true nature, mm. and the joy of holding that space, you know, within also, mm. Mm. and and also letting go of that which isn't that, mm. right? Mm. Mm. You know, that's the magnets, yeah. The magnets, yeah. Mm. Letting go of that, and I've built up a few of those now. So it's a process. We all have, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We all, we all have, and it's so interesting. I use that analogy because for me, it holds me. It holds me to then pay attention to the facts, without having to condemn myself for it. Yeah. Whatever I see, the deepest, darkest. As they say, you know, dragons or the deepest, darkest uh, uh, parts of the belly of the whale. You know, they say that I I understand that essentially it is not me. Yeah. It is not that true north compass that you know that I am, and just as not more like a a positive thinking, but more just as a. a as a possibility, just as that, yeah. as, a, as a, like a, a self hypothesis. Yeah. If I can acknowledge it, that means there's a chance it is not me because I can acknowledge it. Otherwise, it would be just I can't even acknowledge it. Yeah. There's that space, you know. Yes. That allows me to acknowledge this. Yeah. Yeah. So that those those little bits of magnets is that that the the courage and the. Um, I think the courage and that that yeah I, I would use I, for me at least it's courage the courage to say despite whatever uh, 
whatever these magnets on my compass promise, right? I have to see it for myself, whether that's that. I have to meet what is there here as me. Yeah. And to really see is this notion that I've been seeking for this identity to be more strengthened as a, as a, as a trajectory towards what's more, experiencing what's more, coming to what's more. Is it really valid? Yeah. And, and to, to embark on that, to embark with that on the eventuality that I, at the, that in the course of the journey, I'll have to say this has to die. This identity has to die. Yeah. And to embrace that joyfully. Yes. Not as a, oh, it's a sacrifice. Yeah. You know, and not, it, it's, a, it's a living question, right? It's a, it's a, yeah. But as what you said, right? It's not easy. This no. is uh, because so much of those, uh, those compass were placed on, uh, I mean, those magnets were placed on our compass. And, and it wasn't just placed like that. You know, we've also bought into it. Yeah. Because of the promise it holds, the promise of joy it carried with it, um, which, uh, which in some ways I think kind of, I think if we're a little bit alert, a little bit awake, a little bit honest to ourselves, we know that, mm, no, this is not it. Yeah. I'm just thinking that when you're in LA, like you said, it was a B plus plus, right? It's more of, yeah, I, you know, there could be a possibility of an A, but more so also like, you know, this, even this B++ seems to be a construct, you know? It's, yes. Uh, yeah. The whole thing in a way is, uh, it's, you know, it, 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 even, there's also that the notion, I think, of after a certain period of time, right, we're, we're fundamentally different, right? Both biologically, after, you know, seven years, new cells, new, but also I think karmically in terms of our dharma, like in terms of, there's just like a, we're just different people. So maybe, because I'm not in any way judging those who, for example, choose to live their life entirely in one place. For some people, I think their garden is, they're in a beautiful garden and that's where they choose to be. And that's, uh, that's the question they're living into is contained within that garden. Yeah. How do I reinforce that garden? Correct. No. For others, myself included, uh, I, 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 I like the permaculture garden <laughs> and the opportunity to see how does this plant grow in relationship to these mm. other plants mm. and and along the way, you know, what soils are the are the richest? Mm. You know, what what? How can I turn the the shit from life into compost? You know, mm. into into compost for new growth? How can I? How can I? Um, how can I find those synergistic plants like the corns, beans, and squash, where their waste is my fuel? And somehow, like to bring it full circle, it just it works. The moreness of our expression, both the challenge, the opportunity, the gift, the joy, the challenge—you know—all those elements somehow work Possible such that that we're all in relationship growing to a to a higher ground it's interesting that we were in ohai at the place yeah. of jay krishnamurti right one of the yeah living masters of our time and uh and there was a statement he made i once i saw in a quote and and again i don't claim to even understand the depth and magnitude of that statement but it just popped in my head as, as you were describing it he said life is relationships yeah and 
it's almost like coming a full circle, right? It's almost like we are coming to this. Uh, our conversation has brought us to this point. Or this question here that wow, uh, relationship takes on a whole new context now. Any form, I'm constantly in relationship. Yeah. With the environment I'm in, to, to everything that I'm in, even with my with my mind, with my thoughts, with my emotion, I'm in relationship with it. That how I'm holding myself in that attention of that uh, may lie the a clue to this actual this more right happening that that it gives me a sense of rest to say that ah this self being limited is uh, an acknowledging that it's limited that I can't do this on my own there's no possible way I'll be limited by me I'll go I will end up just using the pretext of relationship to make it about me like the singer did right that to acknowledge that ah, is already the liberating, like even when I say first step or the liberating step. Now I can truly want to, I might move truly to acknowledge, oh my God, there's this living, breathing entity in front of me. He may be called Michael Trainer or whatever he may be uh, identified with, right? But there is this, this, uh, this, uh, this, this figure or this representation of something that I can allow to 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 bow to mm. because it's also bowing to that part of me that can never be grasped by me yes you know and uh, yeah it seems to be it seems this is where we are arriving is, at right yes that relationship is not just about oh it's me you and we are together you know it's <laughs> that there's a there's a sacred element to it yes there's a more there's a moreness to the relationship mm. yeah yeah. that wants to be born that wants to be lived through the unique alchemy of those yeah. parties yeah. it's like they say my master said the three points the ABC yeah the me the you and the space that holds this yes wow. I think I think let's leave it there I think yeah, that's a yeah, beautiful, yeah, place beautiful place to arrive place, to yeah. huh? for now but no, I don't yeah, think it'll be now, our yeah. last conversation that's it. no <laughs> No, this is beautiful. It's it's that's it's ongoing. It's like yeah. you know, just like life, I guess. It's yeah. One moment to the next, one relationship to the next, isn't it? Yeah. And every conversation we have, uh, I always love it. You know, because it's yeah. There's uh, it's honest. It's honest. So thank you, Navin. Thank you, Mike. Was My always, brother. Always grateful, man. Yes, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, for those listening, nine ninety nine, you get a bonus track. Yeah. And by the way, for for nine ninety nine, Navin has a ten point. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it's beautiful to wow. This was a uh, two hour conversation. Uh, I hope you guys got value. Uh, check Navin out. Uh, this is actually our third conversation on the podcast. Um, and uh, I'll link to his work. I definitely recommend you check it out. Um, it's been uh, a gift to my life. And uh, for those listening, wishing you joy in discovering the question that wants to live through you and the relationships that will see it forward.